Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 67 of UAB Green and Told, original release date Monday, March 14th, 2022. This podcast allows us the chance to share stories from members of the UAB community. Want to listen into previous episodes of the podcast? Visit alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold or look us up on Spotify and the Apple Podcast app. While there, leave a written review so more alumni can find us. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and assistant director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. It's amazing how a career path can change. For today's guest, his pivoted sharply as he was winding down his undergraduate degree. Rafael Landino thought he knew what his future held. As he'll share, his fascination of cars was all set to culminate with a career at GM. And I remember looking at one of them when he told me this the first time, and I said, you've got to be crazy. I have no interest at all in the field of medicine and the human body. I don't know how it works. I don't really care for it. I, you know, it just doesn't seem like something I'd want to do. But Rafael kicked a career with cars to the curb and found himself in a new field, biomedical engineering, one that was basically writing itself when he was in class. All of the courses were, were just beginning. In other words, there was... There was very few, if any, textbooks. Plus, at a point in life when members of the military may be mulling retirement, he made the leap to sign up. At this point, I'm in my late 30s, uh, which is way past uh, when most people get recruited in to serve. And, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I, I was, I think, 36, 37, something like that. Born in Havana, Cuba to immigrant parents, Rafael Andino moved to South Texas as a three-year-old in the mid-60s. From there, his family would settle in South Florida. While his grandfather was an architect and professor at New York's Columbia University, you can say that Rafael's thirst of curiosity also helped lead him down his path into engineering. So I was one of these kids that was always curious on how things worked and why they worked and what's going on inside this TV or what's going on inside this car engine or what's going on. You know, why, why do things work the way they do? Uh, you know, whatever it was, a vacuum cleaner, it didn't matter. I was always curious, and, and I still am to this day, uh, on why things work and how things work uh, in the physical world, right? The fact that all of these things that we surround ourselves with, including the fact that we can do this long-distance communication now over, over the Internet, to me, blows my mind. Uh, so all these things have always been fascinating to me as a kid growing up. And again, I was fortunate in that I was surrounded by several people in my life that had also technical backgrounds and they kind of fostered that, right? So I had an uncle, I mentioned my grandfather. I had, uh, this will sound funny, but uh, my my neighbor across the street, he was a uh, this amazing man who was uh, also an immigrant from Italy, uh, served in World War II, he's an Italian-American. He had a woodworking shop in the back of his house that he built. And the house that I grew up in, in South Florida, he actually built. And so I would spend so much time in his woodworking shop, watching him work, and and just just with basic uh, tools, right? Just uh, hammers, screwdrivers, but you know, he had some saws, he had uh, a little drill press, he had, uh, a circular saw, you know, things that I thought as a little kid, I thought were really interesting. And so believe it or not, that really influenced me because I saw how you could build things, you know. And so as a little kid, if you're surrounded by that, if you have this uh, crazy little mind that's always wondering what, why and how things work, you end up gravitating to, to, to something like the, you know, engineering. We have 
uh, on my mother's side uh, of the family, a lot of architects. And I had thought, well, maybe I'll be an architect because it just seemed like to be the family trade. But my grandfather, you know, actually talked me out of that. He said, no, you should study engineering for a variety of reasons. Architecture is, is not really a very predictable field. Sometimes, uh, you know, architects do well if the economy is doing well, where you're practicing, other times they don't. But engineering is more, um, is a more predictable field where you can earn a living and, and that sort of thing. And so, of course, I didn't know what that meant. But boy, now at this point in my life, was he ever right? I, I know uh, because I have several architect friends, he was absolutely right on the button with that. And it was really, it was really helpful. And it continued on through Georgia Tech and is really the reason that, that I made it to UAB, in fact. So let's talk a little bit about that because you did graduate from Georgia Tech with a mechanical engineering degree. Right. When you attended UAB, you're going after a biomedical engineering degree. What was the transformation? What was the transition between Georgia Tech and UAB and why the change? Uh, probably around my junior year at, at Georgia Tech, I had been set on um, I'm going to work in the automotive industry. In fact, I still love cars to this day. I'm a big car guy. And so I was going to go work for either Ford or GM, you know, one of the big three, Chrysler and uh, one of those, those companies. In fact, I already had a job offer as a junior with General Motors uh, up in, um, I even remember the town, Ypsilanti, Michigan, uh, designing transmissions. And that may sound boring, but for uh, a diehard car guy that's a mechanical engineering major, uh, designing transmissions is really cool because transmissions are very complex pieces of machinery. So around that time, I had two professors at Georgia Tech that that um, that I really that were you know my mentors, and they took me under their wing and um, they convinced me that I should uh, consider learning more about uh, applications of engineering and medicine. And I remember looking at one of them when he told me this the first time, and I said, you've got to be crazy. I have no interest at all in the field of medicine and the human body. I don't know how it works. I don't really care for it. I, you know, it just doesn't seem like something I'd want to do. Plus, look, I already have a job with General Motors, and, and this is what I've wanted to do my whole life since I was a little kid. So how could you tell me not to pursue this? I mean, to me, it's, you know, that, that was my version of the American dream, especially as a little immigrant kid, you know. So anyway, but he was a very smart man. And like my grandfather, I kind of put him on the same plane there. I, I would listen to him because I realized, uh, in fact, he was one of the founders of the field of biomedical engineering. And uh, so I listened to Professor Naram and he said, why don't you audit a class over at Emory, you know, down the street here in Atlanta uh, in physiology, just audit a physiology class. And I, I said, I don't even know how to spell physiology. How do you, wh wh what is that? And so anyway, so I listened to him and I did. I sat in the back of the room, I audited his physiology and, and actually I really liked it. And I, and I came back to him and I said, uh, and I said, look, I didn't realize the human body is kind of like a machine. You know, it's got all these parts and pieces and they work together, all these systems, uh, all these organ systems work together. And, and kind of, I, I was thinking about it like that, right? Like, uh, like a machine, uh, because that was my background. And so Little by little, they drew me, both of these uh, gentlemen drew me into this uh, really brand new field because this would have been the mid eighties. It didn't really exist yet in the United States formally. There was a few graduate programs offered. There was no undergraduate training in the field of biomedical engineering in the eighties. 
And, and Georgia Tech at the time was just starting to think about putting the program together. And in fact, um, I later learned that I was probably one of the guinea pigs students that were they were <laughs> that signed up to take some of these early, very early classes in bioengineering that they were offering. So as a senior, what I did was I all the, the electives that I was allowed to take at Tech, I took in this in this new field of bioengineering. And it was literally these these classes with uh, maybe three, four or five students, you know, just the other the other guys that got roped into, you know, taking these classes. And so I really enjoyed it. I graduated, uh, you know, obviously with a mechanical engineering degree, uh, uh, but a concentration in bioengineering. I remember my, my last few classes, I, I they came to me and I says, well, you know what you have to do now? And I said, no, what? He says, you have to go to graduate school because you've just scratched the surface of this new field. And I said, well, then I guess I got to turn down my job at GM because my whole career changed, right? So I went from wanting to work in the auto industry to now all of a sudden getting into this new field. And it was scary because I had no idea what I was going to do now. I, I, you know, I, I had my whole career path mapped out, so I thought. And, and now all of a sudden these guys turned me on to this new thing. And I had no idea where I could get a job. I didn't know anything about the industry. I didn't know anything about what companies were in there. I didn't know what I would do. And so under, under that kind of environment, I started looking for graduate schools. And, and there wasn't that many. There was a few. Um, and I remember applying to a few others in addition to UAB. But UAB had, had always had a good reputation. I did some research in medicine, obviously. And their medical school has always been top notch. And so I, I remember going to visit and I really liked it. I liked Birmingham. I liked the town. I liked the school, met with a few people. And again, it was very early days. You know, there were the, the graduate program there, there was no undergraduate program, but the, they, were, they were just starting off with the graduate program. And so that's how I ended up at, at UAB. I applied, I got accepted. Uh, I got accepted to a few other programs, but, but I'm really glad I came to, to UAB. It, it's worked out uh, pretty well since. You turn down the job in Ypsilanti, Michigan, frigid Midwest right. state, <laughs> and you go to UAB to study biomedical engineering. At the time, it's young. It's a burgeoning um, kind of academic experience. What were your initial impressions on the coursework, on the program as you got involved at UAB? First, I thought, what in the world did I get myself into? So. One of the more interesting things was that all of the courses were, were just beginning. In other words, there was, there was very few, if any, textbooks, right? And, and so the, you know, the professors that were teaching us were teaching us from uh, uh, articles, journal articles that they had read, their own experiences, research that they had done. And so... I really didn't have textbooks per se for many of the courses with the exception of the more formal courses. For example, we had to take a formally physiology and anatomy and I remember histology and, and some things. And for those classes, oftentimes they would combine us with the students in the medical school, which, which also when I, would, when I would be sitting in one of these classes, I would think to myself, what in the world am I doing sitting here sitting here with medical students learning about you know how the kidney functions or whatever it was and so for those classes uh, we had books because we simply bought the books that they would 
sell you in medical school. So it was just, it was just a bizarre kind of change in pace. And eventually I got used to it and I, and I really enjoyed it. And I, to this day, it's, it, it was probably one of the smartest decisions that uh, I have to say that I made, but, but it wasn't because of me, as, as I told you, it was because I listened to these, these professors that really could see the future of, of medical, uh, of medicine and, and, and medical product development and, and in our country and in the world and, and had the vision to see that. And, um, and, and I was so fortunate to meet them and to be in the right place at the right time and to get pointed in this direction. Originally, when you had the job at GM working on transmissions that you ultimately turned down, you're going to be working with your hands. You're going to be doing a little bit more right. designing. What was kind of the end goal with your biomedical degree coming out of UAB? Unbeknownst to me at the time, it ends up that I still ended up working with my hands. So everything that I loved doing as a kid, from working in my neighbor's workshop to everything I told you, it ends up that in this field, you end up using your hands quite a bit. In fact, to this day, uh, I still uh, participate in, in uh, studies in the lab uh, and, you know, in vivo studies, preclinical studies that we do. And it's all done uh, with, with a hands-on kind of approach. My interest in doing this didn't go away. In fact, it's been more and more prevalent in, in my career as I've moved through different jobs and different, different companies and started companies and all of that. The hands-on approach has always been part of that. So it's, it's been good in that regard. During this entire time that you're at UAB, you also entered the Army. Did you ever see yourself having kind of a, a military career while you're doing this engineering stuff too? No, no, my career path, as, as I've told you before, I don't really recommend it for anyone because it's been quite a, a, an interesting and, and crazy thing. No, so I, I, I did, I entered the Army uh, while I was uh, starting UAB, I was a cadet, in fact, in ROTC and my thought was uh, I would get a research job at, uh, at one of the premier army biomedical research laboratories. And so my plan was to, to uh, get my commission as a second lieutenant and, um, and get, get my degree from, from UAB. And with those two things in hand, uh, become a, a research scientist or research engineer, Walter Reed. And uh, that was the original plan. But again, anytime you come up with a plan, much like my plan to go work at General Motors, that, that did not work out the way I thought. Yeah, that was, that was crazy because again, the timing was not good. So what happened was that this was the late 80s. So this is 1988, 1989. Everyone might remember during that time period, um, we had this, uh, this fellow named Saddam Hussein who decided to invade a, a little country in the Middle East called Kuwait. And so uh, the, the army was mobilized to liberate Kuwait. Uh, you know, President Bush at the time was uh, determined to do that. And we did do that successfully. And so I had an option to either stay in school and finish my graduate uh, studies or to get my commission and uh, join the rest of the guys that I had trained with and go liberate Kuwait. It was a really hard choice, I have to say. It's probably one of the most difficult choices I've made in my life. Uh, so I decided to stay in school instead of getting my commission. And so I left the Army 
And, and so there went my whole career plan of going to Walter Reed that fell, that fell through. And I, I wasn't able to do that. And so I stayed in school, got my degree from UAB and then ended up, ended up going into industry. At that point, it's not the end of the military career. And we'll circle back here in a little right. bit to that. You enter the working world. You work for CR Bard, CIBA Vision. You founded a company, Biophysica, and then you, you went back to CR Bard. So you, you're doing all of these different things. Talk a, just a little bit about the experiences at all these companies that you worked at and founded. Right. right. Yeah. So so I entered into industry in the early 90s. And uh, and you're right. I worked in all these different companies. And it was really a, a tremendous learning opportunity for me and, a, and, and an opportunity to really uh, generate ideas and generate products for, uh, for unmet medical needs. And so at, at BARDA, I had the ability to work in all kinds of fields, urology, gynecology, cardiovascular medicine. Uh, at uh, Cibavision, was a, it was an ophthalmic company, ophthalmology. So that was part of that was part of the, the big pharmaceutical firm, uh, Novartis. Um, and so I, I was exposed to big pharma, which would later help me in, in future career options. I met a lot of people. And the thing that was really important in all these experiences was, you know, obviously the projects you work on and the, the products that you're able to launch. And I've been fortunate to launch, you know, dozens of products into markets around the world in this time. And, but really more importantly, I think for me, were the people that I would meet. So either folks that I would have the opportunity to hire and mentor or people that I would work for that would be my mentors and that would guide my career and offer me other career opportunities. <clears throat> and so oftentimes in industry, like in, in many aspects of life, including the military is the same thing. When you meet someone that you really uh, enjoy working with and you work well together and that person moves on to another opportunity, oftentimes they'll, they'll carry you along with them or you carry them along with you. And I've had that experience where I've really, this is amazing for me to be able to say this, but I've never really been in a position where I had to look for employment. Uh, in fact, what's happened every time that I've moved and made a career change uh, folks would find me, uh, people perhaps that have worked with me before, or that worked for me, or that where I worked for them, and and just really uh, offer me, you know, different different chances to do different things. And so that's that's how I, I I've been able to to have such a you know a broad uh, exposure to so many areas of medicine of, of medical product development and and really my last ten years almost in in. Uh, and pharmaceutical development. So I've been, uh, I've worked in both devices and and on drugs over the course of over 30 year career now. And um, and again, it it all started with with this uh, with this UAB education and exposure to this field. And after about a decade, not quite a decade and a half, you returned to the military with the U.S. Air Force Reserve. At this point, you're more experienced. Let's face it, you're older. So right. why the decision to get back into it and why the Air Force? Working with all these interesting people over the years, I happened to have met someone at, uh, at Novartis um, who, in fact, was an optometrist. And uh, he was uh, a very similar career path to me. Started off in the Army, left the Army, and then joined the Air Force uh, in the Reserve. 
um, he and I became friends and would work together. And in fact, we, we would uh, run together at lunch. And so, you know, he told me, he says, why don't you consider getting back into the service? And I said, well, at this point, I'm in my late 30s, uh, which is way past uh, when most people get recruited in to serve. And, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I was, I think, 36, 37, something like that. And I said, well, I'm, I'm too old. And, uh, and plus, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if my family would support it. And he said, well, why don't you look into that? And, and I said, all right. So I, I managed to convince my wife <laughs> this would be a good thing. And, and my wife has always been tremendously supportive, I have to say, in all these things that I've done. So she's, she's been tremendous. So she uh, encouraged me to, 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 to look into it. And so we did. So it took a couple of years. So this is right before 9-11. And the Air Force said, well, you have some interesting background. You have this medical background. And then at the time, I had already earned a business degree, uh, an MBA. And you have this business degree. And so you would make a good administrator in our medical system. And I said, okay, um, so what can I do? And they said, well, it turns out that both the Army and the Air Force have, have a corps called the Medical Service Corps. And these people are medical administrators. And they, they know enough about medicine to be able to work with physicians and nurses and med techs. But they have administration skills so they can run things like hospitals and, 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 uh, and squadrons and flights and, and things like that. So they're naturally organized kind of... Um, you know, administrative, administratively leaning people. And so, and so that's what happened. So they offered me this uh, opportunity to come back in and I did. So they commissioned me as a captain, which is nice because uh, I had already earned some time in. And so that, uh, that was um, now about 20 years ago. Uh, so after this long break in service, as you pointed out, I was able to get back in and then have two careers. So I had my professional career in an in industry and now all of a sudden I would have a military career in the Air Force and um, yeah so that's that's how that happened with all the experience that you have had private industry military all of that how did UAB establish kind of the core for you for success so I think I think UAB instilled in me uh, just a, a love and a passion for this industry for what I would call the biomedical or biotech industry. Everything that I learned and everyone that I was exposed to at UAB was really passionate in this field. The idea that you could identify a disease or the need for a therapeutic, you know, to, to be able to, to diagnose or, uh, a disease and, and the fact that you can fix that, that you can make it better the idea that as human beings, we can use our skills and what we've learned collectively as a society, as a, as a species and solve medical problems. You know, all of that came from UAB, from my exposure at UAB and my uh, exposure to the, the amazing people, the faculty and, 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 and the folks at UAB. So that, that's number one. And I think the second thing that I, I think people need to realize about the UAB is the accessibility that you have to the great hospitals there on campus. This is something that very few universities now that I've, I know most of the BME programs in the, in the country and in the world have had exposure to, 
uh, there are very few uh, universities where you have in so, such close proximity to uh, a world-class medical school, you know, with world-class researchers. There are a few in the country that are like that, but not that many. And to have been part of that, to, to have the ability to put on a white lab coat and walk into the halls of, of, of any of the hospitals there at UAB and to work with uh, physicians and nurses and researchers, that was really invaluable you know, for me, and it taught me how to interact with medical professionals. So it, it was uh, it was a lot of good stuff uh, that came out of my, uh, I'd say probably almost four years, through, over three years that, that I was there. How cool was it to be kind of on the ground floor of the BME industry? Yeah, that, that, that was very cool. Being able to meet some of the founding fathers of this discipline was super cool. And, and, and some are still around. And being able to go into industry and be one of the first. In fact, when I was hired at, at, at CR Bard, which is now part of Beckton Dickinson, a, a very large medical conglomerate, uh, I was the first biomedical engineer they had ever, ever hired. They didn't, they didn't know what to make of me. They, well, what are you supposed to do? Like, are you more of a doctor? Are you more of an engineer? What, what projects do we give you? Um, and I credit the person that hired me for taking a chance. He was actually a mechanical engineer and he took a chance on hiring me because it was a new species, right? They didn't know what to make of us. And so after that, then of course, you know, the doors kind of swung open and this became a common thing, but yeah, to be the first BME at any place. Uh, and I, and it was fun. It was fun in the nineties to, to move around and to, to be the first and to show people what biomedical engineers can do. That's Rafael Andino. Rafael earned a Master of Science in Biomedical Engineering from the School of Engineering in 1991. Currently, he's Colonel and Commanding Officer with the 94th Aeromedical Staging Squadron at Dobbins Air Reserve Base in Georgia and Vice President of Engineering and Manufacturing with Clearside Biomedical. While his academic career took him to multiple schools in the Southeast, Rafael definitely has an idea of what it means to be a blazer. To me, a blazer, I look at it as part of being a trailblazer. Again, I've had the great uh, uh, privilege to, to be able to do in my career to blaze new trails uh, in anything that I've done. Uh, as, as an immigrant kid, as uh, one of the first biomedical engineers coming out of, of the program at, at UAB, you know, working in companies, starting companies, uh, and then my military experience, probably I'm probably one of the few you know, medical commanders that, uh, in fact, I'm probably the only one that is a biomedical engineer currently in the medical service of the Air Force. So in all these things, I felt like I've had the opportunity to be a, a trailblazer. So for me, blazers is, 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 is really synonymous with being a trailblazer. Be sure to listen into previous episodes of UAB Green and Told. You can find all of them at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Have a story to share? Email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search UAB Alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers.